Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Today that, and I'm, I, I don't care. I, this isn't politically correct, and I really don't care. We live in a world where we have masculated women and demasculated men. And we have a world that's confused. And if there's ever a day where young men need to know what it is to be a man and young women to know what it is to be a woman, it's today. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And when I come to church... So often I look at very areas of our, our ministry and especially in the teaching area. It's very feminine. Thank God for our women. They've stepped up. They teach the classes. They're there for, for that. But in every class that we have here, we need to have a man as well. Because these little boys need to see what it is to be a man. Uh, I... I I want you to hear my heart. I cannot speak into the life of my daughter and tell her what it is to be a woman. That's the most confusing experience of my life. <laughs> I don't relate. I don't understand. They, they have emotions that I don't even know that are... It's strange. On the other side of it, there's no way a woman can teach a boy what it is to be a man. And little boys need men to help them understand what it is to be the man. How many of you all understand what I'm saying? And so I'm asking, I'm challenging all of our men this morning. I'm not asking you to teach a class. I'm not asking you to go in and, because that may not be your gift. But you know what your gift is? Being a man. Being a man in front of a child is an example. An example of what it is to be redeemed and a godly man of God before our kids. Both men and women, both boys and girls, they need to see that. And so I, I'm going to challenge you to pray with me. That, that the Lord would allow you to go into one of these classes. Now, we don't just let anybody in those classes. There's a reason for that. We want to make sure that our kids are protected and the people are protected. It's just simply that. But... but to be able to be there, to be in a classroom, maybe to teach a story or just simply to be there to walk with those kids. Boy, what an example. Some of the greatest examples I had growing up were men who were men in front of me. They were real, but they allowed me to understand what it was to become the man. And so I'm asking you, I'd like to challenge about 20, 25 guys Talk to Pastor Lauren. I know that she could find a spot for you as God would lay it upon your heart. We're, we're not here to put the screws to you to say you got to do that. I'm, I'm just asking the Lord to speak to your heart. Because I believe that if there's a day we're going to make a difference in our community, we're going to make a difference with the children of our community. Amen. And if we're going to make a difference with the children of our community, men and women need to step forward to make that difference. Amen. And everybody can say Amen. amen. And in the meantime, and in the meantime, 
Yeah, I know. I'm going to take the offering. In the meantime, <laughs> we still need a couple guys to help us with camp. Here's, here's the story. We've got all of these little boys going to camp. Nine? Okay. So we need a couple guys. It's going to take two guys to man that many kids. Because I know these boys. I mean, they're good kids. <laughs> they're great kids. They're great kids. But we, we, we need some guys that, that if you've got some time, please talk to Pastor Lauren. I know she would, would help. If we can't do that, it's going to cost us an additional $400 so that they can have counselors with those kids. And I'd rather have that $400 go to scholarships for kids to go to camp. Can you say amen to that? So if the Lord would speak to you, you speak, Pastor Lauren, and no pressure, Jesus, get them. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers, if you would, at this time to come. We're going to wait upon you for the morning for the Lord's tithes and our gifts as we bring them before him this morning. I want to thank you for all that you do. This is a great church. Uh, it, it's just a wonderful group of people. And at this time, we're going to allow our kids to be released to go to Kids Church. And uh, that includes David. <laughs> Amen. Father, we thank you for the gifts that we're about to receive as we bring your tithe and our gifts before you. We pray your blessing upon both those that would give and their gift together. Grant us wisdom and stewardship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For the last several weeks, we've been in a, a series of messages called Empowered. And the whole essence of this message is dealing with the reality of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Friends, I'm going to be candid with you. The Holy Spirit is the most incredible person that we can have in our life, and he's in our life. He walks with us. He speaks to us. He guides us. He leads us. It's incredible. But what I want to share with you in a teaching this morning, and, and it, it will probably come out a little preach because I teach and preach. It's just the way it works with this preacher. But the power of the Holy Spirit is so significant, so real. And one of the things that I've endeavored to, to do is to help us understand who he is. Not just the manifestation of him, not just some uh, unique moment, not just a, a spiritual high, but the power and the personhood of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. He's very real. And in, the, in, in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, and 17, you have the story of Jesus, the last days of his life, and he's walking with his disciples, and he's teaching them, and John 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And he was setting them up to understand that he was going to die. He's going to be resurrected. He was going to be, excuse me, he's going to be, uh, yeah, he, all of that too. <laughs> but, but he makes the statement there about his leaving here. He came here to redeem us. David, you came back so soon. No cookies. But, but he, he, I've never seen him blush. You know, that red looks good with that white hair. <laughs> but, 
I'm sorry, David. I'll, I'll have to make it up. I, I would kiss him, but I... There would be people getting jealous. I wouldn't want to do that. But... But Jesus, in teaching his disciples, was explaining the function of what he was going to do and what the Holy Spirit was going to be sent to do. Jesus was going back to the Father. He's right there, right now, in the very presence of the Father, standing between the Father and hell itself as the the advocate for you and I, making intercession. When he said to Peter, Peter, Satan would sift you as wheat, but I am praying for you. That wasn't a one-time moment. That was the consistency of his intercession, praying for Peter. But not to Peter only, for you and for me. He's standing before the throne of God today, pierced hands and feet and side, still as a statement and testimony of the redemptive work of the cross. Before the throne of God, the mercy seat of God, as a statement and a testimony that you and I have been redeemed, not by our performance, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it's a statement to the enemy that would come and make accusation against you and I, as he does right now, every day, every moment, every second. It's kind of interesting. He brings these accusations up to the Father, and the Father says, I don't remember that. And it's not because God is forgetful. God has chosen not to remember because of the great sacrifice Jesus did for you and for me. And so Jesus today is standing there before the throne of God making intercession for you and I right now. Wow, what an incredible experience. But he said, I will not leave you comfortless. He says it in the original language, ton perakleton. I will send you another comforter. He will be in the exact image of the Father and of me. He will come and he will be in you and upon you. And he will lead you and guide you. Listen to the words. In John chapter 16, he goes on and he says, he says, however, when he, that is the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit still speaks. God still communicates with you and me. He communicates in so many different ways. He's constantly speaking to us. He's constantly talking to us. He's constantly trying to nudge us. He's constantly attempting to gain our attention. He's constantly wanting this dialogue between us and him. In this series, we've been talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and his interactive work within our lives. What he says is important. We must never be dismissive to the impressions to the thoughts, to the nudges that we sense in our spirit. Some people have this idea that God's in heaven and 
and we've just been kind of put here on earth to kind of graze around here, and he's an absentee landlord. There could be nothing further than the truth. He said, I will abide with you. I will be with you. I will be in you. I will be upon you. And I will constantly be speaking to you. I love that. I love that. As we think about this whole concept of God speaking to us, and we think about how the Holy Spirit plays that integral part of being the communicator from the Father to us, it's important we recognize some things. We, we need to value the written word. How many of you know that? We, we value... This, this is not just a compilation of men's thoughts. This is the infallible, undeniable, anointed, authoritative word of an almighty living God. And regardless of the whims and the capriciousness of our world, this book does not change. So we guard this book. We we don't just take out of it what we want. We have to take the whole counsel of God. That's the most important thing in the world. We must guard and steward this word. To steward means that I take take the responsibility of being the caretaker of that which belongs to another. This is God's word given to me. I must steward his written word. But I must also steward his spoken word. His spoken word is extremely important. It's those little nudges that he brings into our life. Allow me to share just a few thoughts concerning this idea of stewarding his word. First of all, we need to protect what we hear. Say that with me. Protect what you hear. We understand that financial stewardship to be, is to be living beneath our means and to be generous with what God has given us and bless others. That's stewardship. Being responsible to give God his tithe and, and bless those around us. That's, that's part of stewardship. And I've shared this before. This passage in Mark that I'm about to read is a very interesting passage. How many of you have heard the passage that says, you know, uh, with what measure you give, so shall you receive? You ever heard that? It's a very familiar passage, just speaking about finances. But here in Mark, he's speaking about it a little differently. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more shall be given. Isn't that interesting? Those same, that same thrust, that same idea has been given to us in the concept of financial stewardship. Now he's speaking to us about the things that we hear. The stewardship of what comes into our hearing. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. When God speaks to us, what do we do with it? If we fail to respond and be obedient to what he's speaking to us, he will be silent. 
He wants us to be obedient to what he says. That, that's, what, that's what Mark is telling us. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. He's saying that to the extent of how much we hear from God is dependent upon what we do with what we hear from God. So how does God speak? I'm going to share with you 10 thoughts, and, and I, I'll try and give you time to write them down. But these are the means by which God speaks to us. And, and it's not an exhaustive list. There are probably other ways. But these are the things that come to my mind. First of all, through circumstances. God does speak to us through the circumstances of life. Jonah is a good example. We'll talk about him in a moment. He speaks to us through counsel. Proverbs talks about the wisdom that comes with counsel. Uh, over the years, I've had men speak into my life. I've chosen very good men, men with, with wisdom and women with wisdom and, and insight that, that could speak into my life. I've given, them, I've given them the right to speak into my life, to give me counsel I don't know how it works for you, but I can't see the back of my own head. It's a blind spot to me. All of us have a blind spot. And it's extremely important that we understand that we have a blind spot. And it's good to have others that can see that and speak into our life to protect us. That's counsel. And I believe God speaks through them to us. It's a valuable thing. Third thing is the peace of God. The peace of God. And let the peace of God rule your hearts to which you also were called. I, I love that. The peace of God. Let, he says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. I don't know how it works for you, but the peace of mind isn't here for me or here. It's right here. It's in my gut. It's that check that I feel or it's that peace that I feel. There is an intellectual dynamic to it. There is also an emotional dynamic to it. But, but most of the time, I feel it right here. I'm about to make a decision. And if this is agitated, it could be more than sauerkrauts and hot dogs. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying? It could, it could be something here. If, this, it, if I'm not at peace, that's a statement. If I'm not at peace, it's to stand back. I, I remember as it, we were pastoring up in Olympia, and we were in the processes of developing a, a rather large complex, and it was a major capital campaign that we were doing. It was about a $2 million capital campaign. And we were getting ready to go into this thing, and, and all of the board was... I had 11-man board at that time, and, and 10 of the 11 were gung-ho, but I had one man, one man. Pastor, I don't feel right about it. I'm thinking to myself, what's the story? And then the Spirit of the Lord checked me. And I said, my brother, what is it that you're sensing the Lord is saying to you? And he shared it. And we heard God. And the other ten and myself stood back and said, We've heard the Lord. And we backed off. One man heard the voice of God. We were excited. We were willing to go. And we were willing to do. But we needed to hear that voice. 
And he did not have a peace. And in his spirit, he felt that check. It was the nudge of the Holy Spirit. I think he was trying to speak to us, but we were so excited about it. We had drowned out his voice in our excitement. You all understand what I'm saying? Saved us. They were able to go back and redo that, and it, it was a major remodel that they had to do. And I went back after we had left there. They did the remodel. It's beautiful what they did. But it was in the timing of the Lord in his voice speaking at a specific point. He speaks through people. There's a story in Acts 21 of Paul and Agabus. Agabus was a man of God who heard God and came to to Paul, where he was, where he was staying, and and he bound his hands and his feet with his belt, and he and he basically told him that the man whose belt it was that bound his hands and feet would be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, I'm not sure if that was good or bad. I'm not sure that I would always want a David Wilkerson or an Agabus talking to me because David Wilkerson, the man, was a prophet of God. And when he said something, believe me, it came to pass. My dear friend Dick Dortch, he went to be with Jesus several years ago, but Dick was in prison. And David Wilkerson wrote a letter to him. And he said, I remember sitting on my bunk and here's this letter from David Wilkerson. And I thought to myself, I'm already in enough trouble. I'm not sure I want to hear what God is saying now. (laughs) And he opened the letter. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke through that letter. And David, through a broken heart, built up my friend, encouraged my friend, gave him the strength to push through that moment. You see, sometimes we need to listen to those around us. God also speaks through dreams and visions. I've had two occasions where I believe I had a dream that was a dream given by God. I'm not not into all of the dreams. I don't understand all of the dreams. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I just, I guess I'm not that spiritual. But I've had a couple moments where I've heard, in a, in a dream, I, I woke up and I knew this was so, twice in my life, and twice in those moments when I was able to articulate that dream and try to figure out what God was speaking to me about a specific thing in a specific place and a specific ministry dynamic. There have been times when I've had a vision, and a vision given to me wasn't something that I saw on a panoramic stream. It was, it was something that God just put so strongly in my heart. I remember one night, I was in my mom and dad's house. I went to the living room, couldn't sleep, and, and the Lord began to deal with me. And I began to write, writing out a vision that God had given to me for the church. It was an amazing thing. It was like I couldn't keep my hand Still, it was the ready writer, if you will, as the word speaks of. The Holy Spirit came in, in that vision, and gave me something for that church. It was an amazing story, and I thought, wow, this is for the next 25 years for this church. The crazy thing is, every single thing on that page was filled and finished and accomplished within 18 months. God gives vision. I cannot lead you without a vision. And when there is no more vision here, I cannot lead you. 
our first service this morning, I looked out across that congregation and there was as many or maybe even a few more in that service than there was the first service that I was here seven years ago. And now look at it. It's because there's a vision. And God speaks through his Holy Spirit, giving us vision. I am not here to pastor Crossroad Assembly. I am here to pastor Florence, Oregon. And I have the opportunity to park my office here. But we're going to be an influence. I was looking at some of the things that the Lord spoke to me when we first came. And they're on the wall out here of the church. To be an impact and an influencer to other churches in this city and in our movement. And we are. You are. Because there's a vision. And God brings those things. He gives us dreams and visions. He gives us those opportunities. I love the word where it says that without a vision, people languish. One of the missing components in so many churches. Where is your vision? Can I be candid with you? The vision that God has given to me for this church is not just to fill this building, but that this church will be the catalyst, will be the tip of the spear that will open up the wellsprings of revival for this city that it will be the spark that will energize other churches in this city, that there will be a point in time where the strongholds of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. That's my vision. And I believe that we're on task. And I believe that we're on target and we're on time because we want to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, friends. He's not an ethereal idea. He's not just a theological thought. He is a real entity, a person, if you will. He is the third person of the, of the Holy Trinity, and he has come to dwell in you and me. And he wants to talk to us, and he wants to guide us, and he wants to lead us, and he wants to inspire us. Glory to God. I get excited and some people get nervous. He comes to speak to us through our thoughts. Joseph was in love with a little girl by the name of Mary. They were betrothed. She was his fox. She was the sweetest thing in the world came to him one day and she says, I, I need to tell you something. He said, what is it? And she says, I'm pregnant. Now that's a good way to ruin a guy's day. <laughs> Especially when you're not married and you've not slept together. He loved her. He didn't know how to handle this. He didn't know how to unpack that kind of news. That was something beyond what he was capable of doing. I'm sure he was disappointed. He, was, he felt betrayed. He probably, he probably felt every gamut of emotion that you and I would probably ponder even in those moments. And it says, but while Joseph thought about these things, while he was thinking, 
Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. I've taken and taught classes on epistemology. It's a big word. It's simply, if I can put it down in layman's language, it's how to think. I... I, I love mentoring and coaching young pastors. And one of the first things that I ask them when I coach them is, what do you bring to your community that nobody else has as gifts, talents, and graces? Because you cannot function in somebody else's gift. You can't function in somebody else's footprints. You have to walk in your own shoes with the gifts, the talents, and the graces that God's given you. He's brought you here. Do you understand what they are? Have you mined those so that you can use those and put them to work in the kingdom of God? And then they will call and we'll talk and I will ask a simple question as, as we're talking. They will tell me what they're doing and I will say, why? You remember little kids you're a little boy or girl, they come up and they, why, Daddy? Why? Why? I never got over it. Because, you see, we think too shallow. We want predigested theology and answers for everything in life. We need to think. I believe it's the Holy Spirit's role in our life to help us dig deep and think through process. I can tell you what theological dynamics are, but it's far better for you to dig them out and think them through and pray them through and have the Spirit of the Lord lead you into an understanding. You own that theology. You don't just borrow it. Hello? I preach so much that my screen goes black. Then there are natural manifestations. It's the way he speaks. Romans 1 talks about all of the various ways that, that he will speak to us. It, through the natural aspects of life. John chapter 12, verse 29. Jesus is standing there before the Father. And, and, and he, he, the, the voice out of heaven comes. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Some heard the voice. Others heard thunder. It was, a, it was a, an incredible experience. You get into the book of Revelation and there are so many dynamics of natural resources and things that are happening that speak. God is speaking to his people through those moments. And there are those supernatural manifestations. Burning bushes. Fleeces. Donkeys speaking. You could put that right alongside pastors. okay, I said it. <laughs> he speaks to us through the Bible. How many of you have ever been in trouble and you get into a situation and you don't know how to deal with it? And what's the first thing you do? You go to the Word and you usually go to the Psalms and God begins to speak to you through the Word. I love David. He was so real. He put, in, put on his pants the same way I do he lived life, and he lived it to the fullest. There's a couple examples that David has in his life that I don't want. 
He was a lousy father. I'm just being candid. He was an incredible king. He loved God with all of his heart. He was the apple of God's eye, but he was a lousy father. And he really liked the ladies. I think the Lord could have taken a little testosterone out of him myself. But, <laughs> but the cool thing about David is, is he was just real. He was flawed. He was imperfect. But he loved God and God loved him. And you read the writings of David and write readings him in the Psalms and you begin to realize, man, this... I can relate to this. God speaks to us through his word. But I think the one that I love the most is the whisper. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12, Elijah is in the mouth of a cave, and God brings to him an earthquake, and he brings to him a hurricane, if you will, and he brings to him all of these great things and mighty fire, and then it says, and it says this, I love the way it says this, and after the fire, a still, small voice. That simple little voice. Are you listening? Are you listening for his whisper? Are you listening for that sweet, gentle nudge? Because if you listen, you'll hear. You've heard me say it. I, my circadian rhythm was destroyed by my dad's business as a dairyman. And so I get up at these horrible hours of the night. And I've made a habit that when I get up, the first thing I do is go into my study and just quiet myself. Before I say anything, I just quiet myself. And I listen. I listen for the whisper. That simple little nudge of the Holy Spirit that will speak into my life. That thought that will come into my mind, that that nudge that I feel in my spirit. Because you see, friends, he speaks. In this room right now, there are millions of voices. Through AM, FM, UHF, VHF, through all of the various mechanisms, ham radio and all of these other things, all of these different frequencies, they're coming through here, but you cannot hear them unless you're tuned in to the right frequency. The voice of the Spirit is like that. In this room, there are two predominant voices, the voice of the Father and the voice of Satan. In the Garden of Eden, there were two voices, the voice of the Father and the voice of Satan. The voice of the Father came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening, and they talked and they communed. I think they talked about everything. I think they talked about everything. Adam, talking to God, God, that hippo that you made, do you realize how much it eats? I mean, I can just hear the con I mean, I know it's a warped imagination, but, but I think they had conversations that were real and genuine. They weren't all, oh, bless thou, Lord God. People do that, I run. 
They scare me. Because you see, the God that we serve is real. And he's practical. And he communicates with us. And he leads us. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a situation where I was about to make a a horrible decision. And I felt checked in my spirit. And sometimes it was circumstances. Sometimes it was just this something that just stopped. And as I did, I recognized I was hearing the voice of the Spirit of God. And he saved me. He saved me. I'm driving down the street one day. And the Lord spoke to me. And I know it was a nudge from the Spirit. It was that whisper. Stop and see Alice. But Father, I'm busy. And I kept driving. What I wouldn't do for the Spirit, I would do for the law. Because there was a stop sign about 300 feet from her house. And I'm stopped at the stop sign. And the whisper. Back up and go see Alice. Alice Wolford was a wonderful woman of God. She was a widow. I backed up, parked the car, walked to the door. When I knocked on the door, she came. She says, Pastor, I've been praying that you would come and pray with me. How many times do we miss? How many times do we refuse the nudge? It's not just your thought. The Holy Spirit, friends, hear me. He is so real. And he is so precious. He's not strange. He wants to lead us. He wants to come upon us. He nudges us so that we can minister to somebody. So that we can help them through crises moments. Let me get on with my message. Because there's a lot here, and I I, I don't want to belabor it, but there's a couple things that I really feel impelled to tell, tell you this morning. So we need to protect what we hear, but we also need to guard how we hear. Luke chapter 8 says, Therefore, take heed how you hear. How you hear. Isn't that interesting? He tells us to take heed what we hear, but then he says how we hear. Joseph, as a young man, God gave him a vision. And the vision was that someday the sun and the moon and the stars would bow at his feet. And that was representative of his mother and his father and his brothers. Now he's a kid. And in immaturity, he goes and tells his brothers, one of these days, you're going to bow at my feet. (laughs) They're about to pound him into a puddle. They didn't particularly like this little punk because he was his daddy's favorite. He walked around in 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 a coat that was made specifically for him that set him apart from all of the rest of them. He was daddy's favorite boy. How many of you know that if you know that your brother or sister is daddy's favorite, that puts you at an odd spot? And there was resentment, and very much so. And he comes out there, I have heard from God. And one of these days, you're going to bow at my feet. 
They ripped that coat off of him. I don't think they were gentle. I think he had some scuff marks and bruises. One of the brothers says, let's kill this little twerp. Another one says, no. Let's sell him. (laughs) And so they throw him in a pit. Some travelers come by. They sell him. They sell. They sell him. There were a moment or two I'd love to have done that with my sister. (laughs) But there were no takers. (laughs) She probably had the same idea. (laughs) And years later, they would bow at his feet. But, But hear this, how we hear. You see, God was speaking to Joseph. The Holy Spirit was talking to him about a day, not that he would have his brothers bow at his feet. No, that was really the side effect of it. The point was, God has, was using him, would use him, would elevate him to a position where he would actually be the lifesaver of his family and millions of other people. You get that? I I read this quote. I thought it was interesting. In fact, there are times when you read things you wished you'd have thought of it. (laughs) Leadership in the kingdom is not how many people you get to serve you, but how many you can serve. I'm here to serve you. I am not here to please you. I'm not even going to try. I'll tell you why. There are too many different likes, too many different ideas from everything and anything. I'm not here to try and please you musically. I'm not here to try and please you theologically. I'm here to serve you. Serve you the word. Serve you in helping you understand who God is and what he wants. I can't please you. I've got ducks and beavers in the same room. It's not going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to happen, folks. And some Iowa Hawkeyes. (laughs) And a few other, maybe some Jayhawks from Kansas. I don't know. The point of what I'm trying to share is we're not here to please one another. We're here to serve one another. Amen. And the Holy Spirit knows how to help us do that. He leads us into that. It's, it's a powerful thing. Let, let, me, let me share one more thought with you. It's interesting when you read James, when he says in James 4, but he gives more grace, more grace. Think about it. Isn't grace amazing? And then he says, I want to give you even more. Grace that picked me up out of a miry clay, that set my feet on a solid rock. Grace that forgave me of all of my rotten sins. Grace. Grace that gave me the will to live. Grace. Amazing grace. And now he says, and I want to give you more. But listen to it. And he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Antitasatai is the Greek word for both those words, resist. It's simple. I cannot resist the devil if God is resisting me. If I'm not humble before him, if I'm not obedient to his voice, if I'm not obedient to the whisper of the voice of the Spirit that speaks into my life, if I am resisting the voice of the Holy Spirit, I will not have the authority or power to resist the enemy of my soul. Sherry's daddy had a call of God on his life when he was about 13. Raised in a pastor's home. Resisted that call. He ran as hard and fast as he could from that call for many years. Gifted musician, incredible musician. He heard the voice of God. And he resisted the voice of God. Because he resisted the voice of God, he could not resist the enemy. And he fell into a lifestyle and into stuff that he shouldn't have been involved with. Dad and mom were the new pastors over here in Benita. A young lady by the name of Loretta Mullins started going to the church, and she watched her pastor's wife praying for her wayward son. Didn't know him, hadn't seen him. But she felt the burden as grandma was praying for her son. Mom learned intercession at the sight of her pastor's wife in those altars. She was an indomitable prayer warrior the whole time of her life. I'm a product of her praying. But they prayed. Grandma would take sheets that her husband would put these charts on. One had heaven and hell on it, and she wrapped his bed in hell. She made the bed, and she prayed over him. Every night she would go in, and she would kneel down at his bed and weep and pray and intercede for her wayward son. The voice of the Holy Spirit was still trying to get a hold of dad. And one night, and he was at a house party playing a band, playing at a dance type thing. And somebody in the crowd, most of them already drunk, asked him to play a hymn. And he did. In the middle of the hymn, the Holy Spirit began to speak to his heart and broke through. He packed up his guitar and he told his two friends, take me to my dad. Got to the parsonage. Dad went into the church. He said, go get my dad and have him come into the church. Dad went in, started praying and Grandpa came in and he laid hands on him, prayed for dad. God delivered him. God saved him. God healed him. God took him out of that lifestyle. And within months, he was out preaching the gospel. And for the next 34 years of his life, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he heard the voice of the Spirit and he refused to listen to him. But when he listened to the voice of the Spirit, oh, the marvelous things that God did through that man. We need to protect what we hear. We need to guard how we hear. 
but we also need to listen and heed what we hear. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, listen to this, from the presence of the Lord. That's what dad was doing, fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it and go to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I don't think there are words any more unpalpable to me than those words, to walk from the presence of the Lord. I want to live in the presence of the Lord. I want to live knowing he's there, feeling his sense, hearing his voice. For some here this morning, this is a strange message. God speaks. Yes, he does. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I'm afraid that if I did, I'd die. I think it would scare me to the point I'd need pampers. (laughs) Adult size, preferably. (laughs) Y'all understand what I'm talking about? But we can hear the voice of God. And he does speak to us. Constantly speaks to us. I don't want to miss that. I don't want you to miss that. And my fear is, I'm not a prophet. Please hear this. I'm not a prophet. I've had people come to me, do you have a word for me? Yeah, read the Bible. What do I look like? <laughs> Please hear me. There are people that, that have this gaze in their eye that are always looking for somebody to lay a hand on them and speak a word over them. I call that laying empty hands on empty heads. <laughs> I'm going to be that blunt. You have the word of God. And we have the Spirit of God. And between the Word of God and the Spirit of God, He's going to speak to us. So that if anybody comes and says a word over you, it had better confirm what God is already speaking to you. Because God is not going to speak to you a new word that you've not heard from His Spirit yet. That's a good place to say amen. I'll say amen all by myself. We need the confirmation on occasion. But we have the Holy Spirit. Isn't he magnificent? He's gentle. He's gracious. He's kind. He's encouraging. He speaks. He still speaks. And he blesses us when we listen. Father, I thank you for this day and these dear friends. And I pray, Father, that you will help us to look deep. I'm thinking of Jonah, that when he left the presence of the Lord, he ended up in a tough spot. And he didn't hear the voice of the Lord again until he repented, until he went back to that place where he last heard 
God speak. And perhaps in this room there are those that have struggled and they've struggled in life and they've done it their way and it hasn't gone so well. But early in life, God spoke to them. And they've been running from his presence ever since. Or perhaps through insufficient teaching and insight into the word, they've not heard. Lord, you, you are real. <laughs> You're not a figment of our mind. Your peace and your grace is so wonderful. And Father, through this room this morning, I'm, I'm simply asking you to, to speak to our heart. You're going to sense a pull. You're going to sense something inside of you that's drawing you to want to pray, to want to respond. That's the Spirit of God speaking to you. Perhaps it's, perhaps he's speaking to us that we need to, we need to simply repent from the things that we've done. We need to begin to obey the things that we know that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to put down the bitterness and resentment. We're supposed to simply say yes to the Lord. Would you all stand with me this morning? Would, would, you, would you take your hands kind of like this, everybody? I want you just to imagine that your whole life is right there in your hands. And you can give you can give that to somebody over here or over here. They're not going to be able to handle the things that you carry. But when you give that life to the one that created it all, oh, he's got answers for that life. Are you willing to say, Jesus, take my life, use my life, forgive me, help me, I need you? You're sensing that drawing in your spirit right now. That's not me, that's the Holy Spirit of God tugging at your heart saying, yield your life to him. Just say yes to him. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? You sense something unique going on right now in your life. Are you willing to say, Father, I want more of what you have. I yield my life to you. I'm tired of doing it myself. I'm tired of screwing it up. I'm tired of the messes. I need your help. I yield my life right now in the name of Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift your hand to the Father and say, God, here am I, here am I, here am I. I need you, Jesus. I need you. All over this room, thank God. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, you hear us, you see us, you sense us, you've got all of these things in, in mind for our lives. 
Bless them, keep them, strengthen them. Father, we commit our life to you in Jesus' name. Everybody pray a simple prayer with me. Make it your prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I can't live this life without you. Holy Spirit, I want to hear your voice. Open my hearing. Let me hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name. Help me not merely to hear, but help me to obey. For I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody can say amen. 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 How many of you know Jesus loves you more than you do? Amen. Hallelujah. He loves you more than you can even love yourself. I just, I just think God gets excited about his kids. Amen? Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you, and I kind of like you. Amen. Now, would you lift your hands for the blessing? Father, I pray your blessing over your church, over your people. Bless them and keep them. Father, I speak your blessing into their life that you will guide them, direct them, overwhelm them, and comfort them. Go before them, be beneath them, stand beside them, walk behind them, overshadow them, and grace them with all of your good blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus.